0: Hello, Pivoters! Welcome to Pivoting Out of EDU, your podcast designed to provide you with the inspiration, confidence, and strategies for making a pivot away from campus-based positions in education toward other opportunities. Hosts, Drs. Jamie Hoffman and Tom Stutter, pivoted out of campus-based positions and are loving it. Now they are giving back and supporting others doing the same.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Pivoting Out of EDU podcast. My name is Tom Studder,
2: And I'm Jamie Hoffman.
1: And today we are really excited to have Darren Jones with us. Uh, Darren, say hello to our listeners. Hello,
3: hello, hello, everyone. So great to be here. I I wish we had that background noise, you know, when someone is screaming. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, yay, I'm here, I'm here. But okay. I, I really am glad to be here. I have,
1: the, I have the applause. Uh... Yes,
3: there you go, there we go.
2: <laughs> the crowd is roaring. They go wild.
3: <laughs> We're here.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, Darren, uh, you know, you heard me say as we were getting ready to, to go live that I am super excited uh, to connect with you. I've seen you in the expatriates group uh, in Facebook. Um, but uh, as our listeners know, this season, we are, are we have a few more folks that have been in what I would sort of say higher level positions in student affairs uh, versus sort of the entry level or, or mid-management positions. And so really excited to hear your story. Also know that um, you uh, have your own consulting business and want to sort of hear about that and how that works, uh, because I think our listeners will be really interested. But before we get into the details, talk to us a little bit about, you know, what you did in a campus-based position and, you know, what made you look to ultimately pivot out and make that change?
3: Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Well, again, thank you so much for um, providing the space. So, My roles have run the gamut over student affairs, Um, and I've worked at a lot of different places. I like to say I'm not new to this. I'm true to student affairs, Um, and I've been in just about every functional area except for the counseling center. Um, So it started with uh, retention programs, so working with orientation and learning communities, then went to student activities, did Greek life or fraternity affairs. Um, did intervention services. So being like a class dean, um, was a director of housing, worked in conduct, was a Title IX coordinator. So I, you name it, I pretty much have, have done it. And so a little bit about the pivot, you know, right? So what was that moment? What made me look for a change? If you would have told me I would be here in this moment, I would have laughed at you, like, go sit down. You know, you know that student affairs is my life. It's my everything, you know, right? And that's all I, I, I've known. That was the the place where I felt as though I could be myself and who I am is going to be the reason why I'm successful, right? Which, yes, that was definitely a piece of it. And then the pandemic happened and it always takes, well, not always, I won't say always, there are many folks that experience that moment. And for me, the pandemic was that time where it hit pause on a lot of different things. And it really forced me to stop and just assess where, where, where am I? Who am I? What do I actually want? And the original goal was to be the VPSA, you know, right. That, that was it from the very beginning, you know, we're kind of groomed, like as graduate students, like this is the pathway. And then, you know, you see all these panels with vice presidents and it's like, do this and do that. And you're just eating it all up, like yum, yum, yum. Right. And so that defines like what your future is going to look like. And so as you go up, it becomes a little less glamorous, you know, right? You get more responsibility, you're managing more people, there's more risk involved, which that comes with the territory, I was definitely excited for it. And I realized those moments where I was alive and that I was like, I am on it. Those become became less and less, you know. The work was very impactful, don't get me wrong, still loved it, enjoyed it. But I felt I was becoming the position And losing Darren, you know, who I was at my core and at my heart. And I was looking for that through particular, you know, programs and, and, you know, and I'm a certified strengths coach as well. So I would, you know, do these, you know, coach students, um, provide workshops with faculty and staff, but the pandemic, because it was a lot of risk, you know, right. it, It really just shifted that, that what was really important. Um, and so I started asking myself those powerful questions, the questions that I would ask students. I started asking it for myself and really went on a journey of discovery, you know, right? What is out there? What would be possible if I made a shift? What would be available to me if I made the shift, both physically, spiritually, mentally, professionally? And so that, that, that was probably one of the, the, the big reasons I wanted to explore leaving and what excited me about it.
2: That's a great, I mean, I think I was just kind of taking notes as well on, because I think this idea of losing yourself in the position, well, Tom, Tom and I like to name our episodes, you know, something kind of quotable, and that's, that's something I think will resonate with a fair amount of people. I think what I like about what you shared is that you were able to identify that that was happening or had happened, and that was part of what triggered your desire to pivot a lot of the folks that we've talked to and I'll include myself I don't think I realized I had lost myself and become more about my position than who I was a person and, until I left and also I mean I ha- I had my first kid which was kind of like the okay now you have to think of someone other than just your job or yourself so I I love that you were able to identify that and do the reflection that you talked about and so naturally wondering Sort of what did lead you to where you're at now? We'd love to learn a little bit more about it, both your full time position as well as your your coaching. If you can kind of tell us how you found those things and yeah. um, you know what what you're sort of enjoying about them.
3: Yeah, for sure. So my main um, role, so my nine to five, is with the education technology company, and I actually found that role on NASPA TPE. I think they were thinking very differently because what they were looking for was a senior student affairs professional, but they were looking at all the wrong places. (laughs) So I guess with with one of their connections, they learned about the placement exchange and put the position on it. And I think the title of it was like something very businessy, strategic account executive. So it was easy to just write it off like, no, that's not what I'm interested in. But I paused and really read the description and say, you know what? Why not? The interview is a conversation. It's an exploratory process. So, you know, why not, you know, in this phase where I'm not really like crawling to get out because I absolutely love my job, had great mentorship and supervisors. But let's go into this with an open mind and see what it is. And so I found it on um, the Placement Exchange. My contracting role with coaching. So I've done that um, ever since I became certified as a Gallup certified strengths coach, I would do it on the job, you know, right? Um, and then realize people are getting paid thousands of dollars to do these workshops, and I'm doing this over off of the goodness of my heart because I absolutely love it. Um, and so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just pouring my heart, and just giving all of me, when other people are getting paid thousands of dollars for doing um, less um, for an hour gig, you know, right? So. I was always doing that. But then I came into the executive coaching piece. I was like, you mean there's an entire field of people that their role is to just see the light inside of you and see the potential and push you and empower you to be more and do more? So I found a specific role off of LinkedIn and I just started searching leadership coach. You know, let me see what's out there. And just a lot of stuff just started pop, popping in. And I found this one formal role as a contractor with the company um, that was recently acquired by Franklin Covey as an executive coach and workshop facilitator. So I'm like, you know what? This is what, we, we do this in student affairs, people. You know, it's like, that's all we train, we develop, uh, we build relationships, we build rapport, which was so important um, for this. And um, so LinkedIn, what was that? Was that place where I found that? Yeah, so, but of course, there's so many different avenues you can discover these opportunities, yeah.
1: And that's, I, I think that's super cool because when you when you think about who's listening to this podcast the the two things that really stood out for me one is that the title of the position is not necessarily the where you should stop um especially in 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 corporate because you know, I, I tell people this all the time, you know, do a, do people who are interested in going into learning and development, I was like, do a quick search for learning and development and 450,000 positions roll up on, on either LinkedIn or on indeed.com. It's like, then you can sort of look through, like, you know, what are these positions? And you're right. Like an account executive in my world might be somebody who all they do is sales all day long, but an account executive in the world that you're going to might be doing partnerships and presentations. Right. I, I love that. That's some advice, some practical advice for people who are listening to this, the other piece that really resonated for me was the the strengths Qu- strengths quest piece. Right, mm. I, I do strengths quest in, in, in my company. Um, you know, the, from our employee uh, learning and development side, and what I find really fascinating about sort of what you've done, and I think the the takeaway there for our listeners is that what we do in higher education, uh, the things that we present on, the things that we talk about are applicable in this other environment, whether it's ed tech or corporate or nonprofit. that, 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 you know, learning is learning is learning. I say that all the time, you know, people learn differently, but the types of things that we want people to learn remains right. consistent across the broad spectrum. And so I re- I think that those, those to me are super solid takeaways, but one of the things that I want to dig in a little bit on was You know, you talked about the interview as a conversation, and I love that. I have an interview on uh, Tuesday with with somebody who I'm I'm bring I'm hoping to bring on, and I told him I was like, "Can you just bring some questions? Because I really just want to have a conversation." But. From a practical advice perspective, from a practicality perspective for people who are out there listening and are sort of nervous about that first, quote unquote, non-higher ed interview that's not going to be an eight hour day. Mm -hmm. What what was the experience like for you and and what did you do to prepare? And ultimately, you know, when you got on the phone or you got on the Zoom, what was that like?
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: Thanks for that. Um, So I
3: I would say I will preface it by saying
1: I was very
3: targeted. Um, when it comes down to the opportunities, because I knew what was going to be too much of a stretch for me. And I wanted to be very, very realistic. What was going to connect to like, what, what is going to give me those butterfly feelings when it comes down to I'm living, you know, I'm in this role, I'm able to actualize in this. And so what I because I was refocusing and realigning what was important to me, I wanted to transform those things into questions, right? Because I want to go into this with an informed perspective, because what I experienced before, there's elements that I want to continue, but I'm also looking for something different. So I had to really sit with the fact that I can ask direct and really hard hitting questions because this is my life you know right and if that means if compensation is important i'm going to state that in the beginning you know th- th- you know ask that direct question on what does that opportunity um look like to see if there is a match there but go i will say the overall process is much was much easier for me then, you know, a higher ed three day marathon interviews where you're meeting with hundreds of people, even though you may only interact with like three or four of them on a daily basis. Uh, but then, but uh, the process was very like you just I
2: think that's the, where we would do like snaps.
3: Right? Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. Like, who am I actually going to be speaking with um, that? Yeah. Really, you know, yeah. right. And so I met with the recruiter. So as like an informational, and we really put everything up front, met with the the VP of client success and sales, who would be my direct supervisor, and then did a presentation with the group of individuals who I then met with individually as well in that time. So we're talking about in total, maybe five, six hours over the course of three weeks. So it was pretty, pretty simple you know, it gave me space to really ask those meaningful questions, but they also was extremely transparent, extremely transparent because coming into a new environment, especially because I'm in ed tech and it's a lot of startups and it's important for people to realize what you are stepping into, right? Because they want retention. They want you to stay. And so how do you best situate people to do that other than being a hundred percent, honest and transparent with the opportunities, the challenges, you know, um and what you're being asked to do, you know, right? That that pretty much sums up that experience um there. Let me know if there's a part that I didn't address in that.
2: Yeah, no, I think I think you you addressed quite a few things and things that have come up as we are talking to folks as guests but also just in consulting including you know, what What I really like is that it sounds like you go, went into this knowing the things that are important to you to retain in a position and you had a strong grounding in that and you were strong with trying to make sure that that was present when mm-hmm. you went into the interview. And that may actually seem like an obvious thing. But I think sometimes, you know, people are so nervous about moving to this new context that it they forget it's still a, you know, it's, it's a mutual interview. It's not just me being interviewed, but like, I need to make sure this is going to be a good fit. Um, and, you know, I think we're good about reminding of, ourselves of that when we're like jobs, doing those marathon job searches in higher ed. But mm-hmm. for some reason, it's like, no, I just, I just want to get my foot in the door. And it's like, yes. yeah, but you want to like be able to stay in the, the door and stay in the house for a bit, you know? So Uh, I think that's that's very important and I love the like what will give me butterfly feelings you know like because you still want to feel like if I got this I'd be psyched not just because I'd be able to work remotely which you may or may not be but we talked to you know a fair amount of people that are like focused on the extrinsic and it's like yeah but you need to still feel like this would be a fun thing to do so or that you know whatever it aligns with something that would be exciting so great things that that you noted there and you did mention, you know, a little bit about compensation, and that you were pretty upfront about that at some point in your search process. And that's that's an area that people um, are not as comfortable, you know, discussing. I, I would I would guess that since you did leave at like an upper level role in higher ed, uh, you kind of too like realize. Like I remind people, like it's, it's actually not really an emotional thing, even though you feel nervous about it. It's actually for the hiring manager quite logistical like you either have these things you can give or not and you'll give as much as you can but like on the other end it's not as stressful but at any rate you know I would love to learn a little bit more about how you decided what compensation or broad benefit package you were going to ask for Mm -hmm. and how you approached that how did you negotiate and any tips you know you have for people who are just really, you know, new to this space and are used to looking on a job posting and it says, this is how much it is. And, you yeah. know, it's not really negotiable.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's such a great question. I would preface by saying that is something that, as I would say my strengths binders, my number two is woo. So being a woo, you know, you're all about, please.
2: You're just going to get whatever you want. As <laughs>
3: <free>. <laughs> well, yeah, that is definitely the light side, the light side of it. Um, And I've always been very like antsy about, you know, saying the wrong thing or really, you know, making someone upset. So negotiation, that concept of negotiation has always been very, very uncomfortable for me. So I want to just be transparent and just put that out there. It is okay, you know, for that to be uncomfortable. And the way I work with that is really placing the responsibility on the employer to negotiate for me you know i think we 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 talk about this as this is the the interviewee's responsibility yes you know because you know there there there's some shared responsibility there but i ask pretty and let's say direct very strong questions about well if this is the what is the best package that you can offer me you know right now that is coming like we come in integrity right there you know right i may have a a a An amount in mind based off of where I currently am. But what I'm looking for is going to be wherever I'm at right now. And I'm going to think about, okay, well, how many people am I directly supervising? Are you hiring based on my experience and my expertise? Because if you hire me based on my expertise, that is more money, you know, right? Because you have to pay for that knowledge. Uh, But also what would have been that next jump for me? So my most recent role, when um, they were sharing the, the package, I said, well, in what I'm looking at, it's at here. So if you can meet that, then we can continue, definitely continue the conversation. Um, but if not, I totally understand, you know, right. So by, before I even move to the second round, they say, well, we can work, we definitely can work it out. Let's move to the next round. And so when it came down to the actual offer, there was no negotiation that had to be made because my question and what I put forth is like, I trust that you are a place of integrity. And you're telling me if this is what you can offer, that is the best that you can do. Also, you know, I would ask or offer this for other people to ask, what are the other parts of the compensation package that we can discuss? Put it on, let them, because everybody has something. And we always leave it to us to figure out, well, ask about this and ask about that. No, let, let them tell you what all can be negotiated. Because there are certain things that cannot absolutely not be negotiated and other things they can you know, that we may not even be aware of. So how do we place, ask them that question for them to inform us? And then we can continue the conversation off that. The other piece of it is the bonuses. It's important to, and that's what, one thing we are not, a, we're not accustomed to in higher education, a bonus. What? We give right. you Right you can
1: get accustomed to it pretty quickly though
3: right oh for sure (laughs) yeah higher ed would give you a nice water bottle and
1: uh, (laughs) (laughs) a nice (laughs) t-shirt at every
3: event t-shirts from everywhere which is great which is great again you know i mean we're doing this in jest but but the idea of the bonus packages and knowing what they are how they're calculated and is there a way to adjust bonus packages to where a certain amount can be in your base salary, you know, right? Because bonuses come from the performance of the company. And I think that is a, 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 a mindset shift for higher ed folks. we like, wait, we get extra money for performance and there's things you can talk about within that. OK,
1: yeah. Pivoting out of EDU will be right back after this quick message. Coaching Through It is a podcast hosted by myself, Laura Pasquini, and
2: Julie Larson. We're two former higher education
0: professionals who made the jump to corporate life and now are learning what professional coaching is all about. Coaching Through It will offer you and explain what coaching actually is and how it might help your pivot out of EDU and support your career transition. We'll be digging into coaching tools, techniques and
1: resources that we find useful.
0: Not only will you get these tools, but you'll find out what's useful for you and where
1: you're at in your career. We're both career coaches and support transitions and pivots. And we have a number of other coaches you might want to learn from as we feature them on interviews on the pod.
0: And let's get real.
2: We've been friends for over a decade. So you might just hear an episode or two of us coaching one another.
1: And a bit of real talk of what it's like to be in the world of work and how transitions and pivots happen today subscribe wherever you get your podcast as we'll be coaching through it and now back to the show yeah no i i the bonus structure was completely foreign to me when I moved to, to, to corporate yeah. as was the equity structure, right? Like that's another conversation Equity, that, right? that folks, mm-hmm. you know, we, you know, I, I, there were just so many things that we're just not used to talking about, you know, like the other thing that sort of strikes me and has nothing to do with compensation was the, the concept of mergers and acquisitions. You know, when we oh. did our first acquisition, <laughs> I was like, yeah, universities don't do that. So I, I have no idea. I'm like a, a fish <laughs> out of water here, but um, there's a couple of things that really stood out in sort of your last. Comments that I really want to talk about. One, uh, for sure, the t-shirts are the bonuses. I have an I have a quilt now made of the t-shirts from my How previous schools. That is my thing. bonus, is my is my quilt of, of t-shirts. Um, love it, love and, it. And sadly, it it took it took me trying to figure out which t-shirts I wanted to actually put in this quilt because I had so many of them. The other thing that I love is that that you talked about your number two, uh, which was woo, uh, from a streets mm. quest perspective. I, I you all can't see this, but Jamie and I uh chat back. And forth to make sure that we're aligned on who's gonna ask what. And I said, okay, um, I did strengths question and I'm also certified. So they gave me my list of, you know, the 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 ranking of all of them. Yeah. Uh my number 35 is woo. So um <laughs> I love when I hear other people have <laughs> woo in their top five. <laughs> um but I'm curious because you mentioned it was your number two, what's your number one strength? Strategic. Oh okay good. Strategic. Then we could be friends now, Darren. yeah uh, strategic yeah. is in my top five and I, will,
3: I will say I've only taken it once. And that was in 2010. So I haven't taken it again. I, I'm sure some of them will switch up, but those five still ring yeah, true. Were. To those
1: are your strengths, right? That, yeah. That,
3: most authentic. So, Yep. Uh,
1: my number one is context, which makes sense. I was a history major in college. So yeah. um, Jamie, what was your number one? <laughs>
2: Well, <laughs> I was just, you know, falling asleep with the context. It's definitely not that. That's um, actually, my number two is strategic. So Darren and I are besties on the strategic just strategic front. But my number one is activator. Uh-huh. I That's make perfect. ish happen. I take ideas, on, which, which really fits well when working in a startup,
3: yeah. by the way. Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, I I love that. Uh, I and, and you know the, I I drank the Kool Aid quite a quite a few years ago on StrengthsQuest. We we did it at the previous university, at the last university that I worked at, it was embedded into our leadership programming, and so we all the facilitators got certified. and And I actually brought it to the company that I work at now, and we do it as a part of our HR. I I absolutely love StrengthsQuest because of the positive psychology sort of yes. theoretical construct that it comes from. So for all of our listeners out there, yes, if you haven't done StrengthsQuest, you need to do it it's wonderful. Yes. Um I had uh, I was just on a conference session that I that I was uh, asked to be a panelist with the Chief Information Officer at Gallup and her one of her major roles was was making sure that the strings Quest sort of site is always like Working because of how many people go in and take it. And I was like, I feel like I'm a kid in a candy store. I'm meeting with somebody from Gallup. This is it was so amazing. Um, but I, but I, I, I and sort thanks
2: of, for all of that context, Tom.
3: <laughs> we appreciate you and that context.
2: I we, of,
1: we appreciate that. I've diverged from, this, from the purpose sure. of the podcast. So, Darren, like, <laughs> it, it, you know, you've gone through the flow, right? You've applied, well, you've been recruited, you've applied, you've negotiated compensation, which I love sort of the 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 framework that you provided there. So what was day one like uh, for you at 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 the new company um and and particularly sort of the differences or similarities that you experienced, and I recognize that it's during the pandemic, but the the, the differences and similarities that you experienced sort of that first day or first week or first month as compared to your time in higher ed?
3: Yeah, so day one. And, you know, I will say that before going into it, I was very clear on not reading anything prior to because I wanted to take my break. I wanted to separate, right? And I wanted to start anew, you know, right? And so coming into it, I, I had a, an amazing colleague who prepared an onboarding deck. And the onboarding deck, the way she designed it so that it was just self-paced, so there was no pressure. They wanted to make make it clear that. There's no pressure to do. We want you to learn, you know, right? And which is different, you know, because when, you know, you come in higher ed, you're already behind. I don't care how much prep that you think you're doing. Once you come into a role, you're already behind. So you, there's no time of learning who is what. And, you know, there's not a lot of time for that. But they actually gave time for processing and learning so I could develop the questions that were important for me to feel supported and successful and whatnot. So this, it's, I would say similar to, to high, you know, you meet with stakeholders, higher ed, you have a lot more stakeholders, you know, depending upon the nature of your role. Um, and then you're uncovering secret cows, sacred cows as well along the process, you know, people that you probably should talk to, but don't have the position that would make sense for you to talk to. Um, So it's a lot more in higher ed of who to talk to and then who you really need to talk to that no one would say that you need to talk to. Or maybe they would, depending on who you're talking to. Uh, But within, uh, you know, my non-higher ed job, it was pretty clear on uh, roles were clearly defined. However, the collaborations, I would see it as more synergies in ed tech because, I mean, everything is so like linked, like making a decision, you know, the impact on a different, on another team, you see it immediately, you know, right. Even when you're presenting an idea, everyone is already thinking about, okay, well, how is this going to be more work for me? You know, right. So one piece of that process, I really had time to really learn not only what they did, but learn them, you know, right. Because I want to add with, with my particular role, it's more of a Consultant, thought leader. So, with that being said, relationships are going to be very, very critical. So, I wanted to talk less and listen more, and then wait for that time for where I'm able to develop these intentional and powerful questions that would give me some more information to explore deeper to see how can I be of best um, support to cross functional partners. So, it wasn't any pressure. Like, have you have this goal, and it was way more self directed but it wasn't as much pressure to like go, 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 as I would have experienced, you know, in higher education. But, and the, the other part of your question was the differences, like just, just being there, you know, right? Language, different. Uh, we speak semesters in higher education. Ed tech is quarters, you know, right? So that's definitely <laughs> a shift in language. And higher ed, you have peaks, peak times, and you have quiet times you know, there is no quiet time. So you really have to be, when you when you have vacation, you need to just take it. You need to take, you can't even ask for permission. There will never be a convenient time to take vacation at in, in, in Tech, you know, right? Flat organization structure is flat, you know, more flat, and especially depending upon the size of the company. Um, higher ed, extremely bureaucratic, you know, right? Levels upon levels upon levels. And, I would say in uh, my current role, it's easier to do change management. It, it was way easier to to present an idea and people just fall in love with it and it was like, let's do it, let's try it. Yeah. But in higher ed, you have one chance to perform something, and if it don't work, you have to wait the entire year or to, more. <laughs> yeah, Or more to do it again. If people haven't thrown the idea away, right. you know, right? And it's turning the ship with with higher ed, and so balance in time is, is, is different. Um, five o'clock I can shut off, like, and I could turn my phone off and feel great. I really just feel like the world is going to crash. If, <laughs> if I do not answer this call, if I do not respond to this email, if I turn my phone off, you know, right. Um, so that's definitely one starkly contrast thing. I will say I'm, I'm now over the triggering phone ring at like two in the morning, I'm not up, like, expecting that phone to go off, so... I know that's, yeah. that, that that's a lot there,
1: but every now and then I'll get a text message in the middle of the night. And it's really not the middle of the night. It's like 10 at 10 PM. I, I just go to bed early, uh, but it's, you know, early, it's still like work hours on the West coast. And I'm like, people leave me, al-. my first reaction is like, leave me alone. Um, where in the, in my previous life, I would be up, ready to go. Like I had my go, my go, uh, my sort of my go outfit if I had to run to campus or get to campus, you know, yeah. in a crisis or an emergency. So certainly, um,
2: I was going to say, but the cool thing is having the background that we've had, I found allows us to be really strong, like balancing acts for some of the people we work with because it's like this is this is not actually really a fire. like this yeah. is not like life. like this actually can wait until tomorrow or Monday. And of course, you have to think about like the position that you have and like how to say that. but, I think I've been kind of helpful for some of my colleagues that have only come from the business world. I'm able to be like, okay, let's dial it down because no one is like going to die. Yeah. <laughs> so, and by the way, like people are actually dealing with that, like in their, yeah. you know, so right. I think that helps us.
1: So Darren, one of the things I want to dig in, and then I'll, I'll let Jamie sort of take over and and wrap it up. But you mentioned the word self-directed when you were talking about your experience. And I, I, I say a lot. And I think even in the blog article that I wrote, like it. I I had an onboarding schedule, right? It was a very Mm -hmm. sort of like, uh, it wasn't the most detailed one. It was sort of more of like, these are the things that you need to do and whatnot during your first couple of weeks. And and we still sort of have that, although it's maybe a little bit more dialed in. But, you know, one of the things we talk about is like as a new employee in a new company, because there is no downtime and people are go, 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 go. Like you have to, some extent, take it upon yourself to really get to know people, schedule the meetings, get in front of the the folks versus waiting for them to come to you or being presented on your first day. Like here is everything you need to know. And here are all the people that you need to go meet with. Did you have that similar experience in in your company and that, that not only was it self-directed, but it was very much like if you didn't do it, you were probably not going to learn it. Yeah,
3: that's a really great question. So I, I was grateful to have, you know, meetings, Kind of lined well, lined up with like key folks, but it's always like, okay, who else above right. that, right? Because you need different perspectives. And so, I would I would like to say that I got a lot of support on that. But what was different for me, my role was brand new. So you know, when when our companies get headcount, it's like, are oh, we gonna fill the same type of position? But it, it wasn't the the traditional position. They crafted mine very specific. So I had to spend more time kind of understanding what do, or other people's perception of what I'm doing. You know, and that that was like very beneficial for me because when we talk about expectation, we all come in, you know, if you have a brain, you have a bias, right? And we're always judging and evaluating people and positions and responsibilities. And for me, it was important to learn what was people's perspective on what they needed me to do or what they expected my role to be, and then sharing what my perspective on why I was hired and brought in. Um, and so that what that was able to do is level those expectations, but also it, it built that relationship. People see where I fit. Um, so it took some time to really craft, you know, it's kind of, if you're thinking higher ed and this new division or a new position, appears and it was like, well, where are they going to fit? And it's almost like you have to kind of squeeze in the line and say, I'm here. I'm the new AVP of this new area. You know, it, it, it's it's similar, a similar type of experience. As long as I was able to kind of articulate the value and then start little by little showing what that value add is, people started to really understand and accept um, what I had to offer, which was really, really great. So I didn't have a lot of resistance, I will say, um, but also I did kind of share, you know, what were the opportunities based off of what I knew, what opportunities existed to expand the business, to elevate the brand um, in very innovative ways.
2: Yeah, it's almost like you kind of have to be a bit of a salesperson for your like sort of work responsibilities. That's I mean, I think I think my experience has been similar to that when in A, a startup and in, a new position mm-hmm. you know you have to be able to think about and uh, you know talk with people it sounds like you did about what the needs are, but then also sort of like help people see you know the, yeah. the value so I think that's that's good advice for people who might be venturing into a space where they're joining a new position at a company i I do think it's a little different than campus based positions though because you at least have like more of a like frame of reference or even context.
0: Home yeah, home yeah, home, those you
2: too. know, because like oh, that might exist in another company or another university, you know, kind of thing. But well, you know, I think what would be good as we're kind of closing out our time is to hear from you. You know, what do you think? What do you see in your future? You know, do you see yourself staying at ed- adjacent? Do you see yourself ever going back to a campus-based position? What are those things that you'll be looking to to make sure to retain? And then um just broadly, what advice do you have for you know, folks who are looking to pivot out and um, just see it as being all quite intimidating um, and
3: unsure. Right, right. So what's next? I think for the first time in my career, I did not have an answer and I was okay with that. That was the first time that I was okay, not knowing what it almost was freeing in a sense, because Going and high, we just knew what the next position was. So it wasn't, you know, like, well, this position is next. It's not much fun in, in, in kind of figuring out what that is. It's just more so where it is. But this is the first time I don't know, you know, right? And I'm excited to see what opportunities present itself because by not knowing, allows myself more freedom. Um, and it's almost like I'm open to whatever is gonna come my way. So even now with you know, having this role and my contracting under my belt, more opportunities have become available that I probably would have never thought would be interested, you know, right? Um, so I would love to, you know, you know, I would say as I move forward, I just wanna be, remain centered to, you know, and really keep in the forefront what really makes me happy, what makes Darren happy. And if that changes, that is okay, you know, right? But I'd love to keep with the training and development. That's at the core of who I am. So whatever it is is going to include coaching, advising, mentoring in some capacity, you know, right? Um, strategy and thinking and innovation. So whatever that is, you know, but I'm I'm open to what yeah. the universe has to bring. And to 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 your second cool. point. Um, what advice things that I will say people to consider? Number one, it's okay to sit and really reflect on what's important for you, you know, right? As we move forward, because there are two types of, you know, individuals that are leaving, those that had a great experience in higher ed and just, you know, looking to see what else. And then other that really had a really bad experience. And for their psychological safety, mental health, they need to. And so they're scratching to get out, you know, right? And so really leaning into that moment, that feeling and seeing what do you need moving forward to achieve a a level of whatever that personal mental success, you know, wellness um, for you so that you feel as though you can thrive in the next opportunity. So I would say there's an exploration part first, because that impacts what you're going you know, what are you looking for? You know, as far as responsibilities, as far as companies is going to shape what questions that you ask. Uh, The second piece of it is be innovative when it comes down to the search strategies. And higher ed, we think really, you know, position title oriented, but there's positions out there that are doing the things that you may want to, but it's the name, naming convention is so different. It would never appeal to you. So how do you source roles and really honing in on those different strategies, mismatching words, mix, mixing words and searches and see what, what pops up and in different positions, see what new language and underline those new language and, you know, in terms that you're finding and it's like that cycle of searching. So really, be exploratory. Um, don't be afraid to connect. I think we as people place this idea of being a burden, you know, and that's what prohibits people from reaching out. But it's not on you to determine if you're a burden. It's you know, right? You're a human being that has needs, and you're just asking for what you need. So don't be shy about that. I would say you're deserving. So know that you're deserving, and and um, you know, deserving to receive everything that you want plus more. So if you really embody that, there's no shame with asking direct questions when it comes down to what compensation is or what are your needs in order to feel really valued. So lead with that. Um, and uh, the last piece I would say, if there's an area you're keenly interested in, what are the uh the credentialing opportunities, you know, for you to upskill yourself. So not just degrees, because you don't necessarily have to go and get a doctorate or anything. But a lot of places outside of higher education value certificates and micro-credentialing more so. So are there free opportunities? Are there, if you have the resources to invest, like me in coaching, I I use my contracting revenue to really put that back and, uh, you know, get additional certification. And that has been very transformative. Uh, for me, so looking at those unique opportunities to upskill and make yourself competitive, and just reach out to people who you're curious about their story and seeing if they can lend any guidance, you know. So that's what I would give to all the listeners. And that's free of charge, right there. You know, that's free
1: coaching. Well, y'all heard it here. Uh, Darren, uh, executive coach, gave us some free advice that that uh, none of us have to pay for. Um, and Darren, I have to tell you that uh, the advice that you gave is is spot on, and I'm 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 really excited for our listeners to hear that, and really appreciate your expertise that you brought to our podcast today. So, um, absolutely, thank you for being a part of uh, of our program, and I'm excited to hear your continued journey and your continued story as as you've made your pivot out and have have been successful in doing so. So again, once again, thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. We really appreciate it.
3: Thank you all so much. It was wonderful speaking with you.
2: Thank you. And I would would add for you, Darren, too, the cool thing about being at the intersection of education, technology, and corporate is there's a very good chance your next position has not yet even been created. Exactly. Yes. And can either be created by you or the needs of being at that intersection. So I'm excited to hear where your journey goes and have really enjoyed hearing your story. And I really think our listeners are going to appreciate um, your your words of advice and the thoughtfulness that you went, uh, that you used to go about your search. So thank you so much.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, thank you all for listening to our Pivoting Out of EDU podcast. Once again, join us next week as we bring to you another episode with a brand new guest. Uh, If you like our episode, make sure that you rate us a five star. And if you have comments or questions, don't hesitate to email us at pivotingoutofedu at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone.
0: Thank you for listening to Pivoting Out of EDU. For show notes and more information about the podcast, visit pivotingoutofedu.com. If you're thinking about pursuing an opportunity outside of your campus-based position or know someone who is, visit our website for advice and resources and learn Jamie and Tom's private consultations offered to support you in your journey. If you think this podcast was awesome, please consider giving us a five-star rating.